Happy Sunday. Good morning, Beacon Church. Welcome to another Sunday on the sofa. And if this is your first time, we're so pleased you could join in and we pray you'll be richly blessed as a result. Um, in just a few moments, um, I'll be speaking just the way scheduling's worked out. I'm afraid you've got double me this week and next week. Um, but uh, I'll be preaching uh, as we continue through our Luke Gospel series. Uh, just a couple of reminders and then an encouragement before I hand over to me. Um, don't forget uh, tonight, um, Sunday the 28th, uh, 7 till 8 p.m. on the usual Zoom link, we've got our prayer Zoom together. We're going to be praying for Cour de Grasse Church, our friends over there in Lille in France. We're praying for what God's got in store for them and what they're pressing into. We're praying for them. And uh, then we're also through smaller breakout rooms. We're going to have opportunity just to pray for each other. So please do join in 7pm tonight, Sunday 28th, um, on the usual Zoom link. And then don't forget, uh, those of you that get the midweek updates, uh, you'll be aware that we're coming into our March prayer month. And starting next Friday the 5th, we are um, going to be commencing with a fasting 24-hour uh, period, either midnight to midnight on Friday or from Thursday evening to Friday evening, whatever works for you as a family, as an individual. And obviously seek wise counsel if for health reasons you need to be very careful. And uh, God's okay if you can't. Okay, please hear that. He's very kind. But if you're able to, it's a no food Friday where we're just going to be, uh, it enables us just to set time and focus and attention aside just to um, seek God's face for thanksgiving and to seek his presence together. And there'll be another reminder in this coming week's midweek update email as well. So those are the two things, present tonight, no food Friday on the 5th. Um, before I pray for us, uh, there's just an encouragement that's come through from a survey recently uh, in this country. New research has just discovered that more than a third of people outside of the church in this country now agree that local churches are making a positive difference in their community, which is up from 20% three years ago. Used to be a fifth, now it's over a third. Um, that's just thoroughly encouraging. This is not about a popularity contest. How much do people love us? No, throughout history, the church has flourished when it's been hated. So I'm not speaking about that. But it's very interesting. When you look at Acts chapter 2, the early church, when it first explodes, we see God's people. They are, they are people who are devoted uh, to community, to each other, and to the word, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to the teaching. Um, they're filled with the Spirit. God's doing mighty things through them in, in the natural and the supernatural. Uh, they are generous and distributing uh, to, to those in need and so on. And through all that, it says in verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, that as they're praising God and they're having favour with all the people. That's what we're starting to see more again in this country. They're having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's, let's lean into this. Let's be encouraged. People are more likely to be open to the good news of Jesus. Um, I'll be speaking about that in a moment during my sermon about people who want to listen and people who don't. Uh, we're going to be meeting more people who do. So let's enjoy this season as we come out of lockdown, as we're going to be slowly easing our way out of lockdown in this country. Let's, let's not be daunted by that. Let's not be fearful as God's people. Let's be expectant for a great move of God. Hey? Let me just pray and then let's hear from God's word. Father, we thank you so much that you're a God who's never given up on us. You've never given up on us as your people. You've never given up on, on everybody else who don't know you yet. Lord, you are still active, you are still involved, you are still good, you are still kind, you are still saving souls, 
you are still in the great mission of rescue. And we love that. And we love that you've called us into that. Help us to step into it more. We thank you for the encouragements we're seeing in this nation. Even through such a difficult year, there is favour upon the church because of what you're doing through us and the people we also represent. We, we thank you so much for that. And we are encouraged by that. We are emblazoned by that. And we look forward to more of what you're going to do. So here we are. We are your people. We're here to serve you. Will you speak to us, prod us, challenge us and lead us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now for God's word. Good morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's taken me many, many years to realise that I can hear something over and over many times and still not be listening. Jenny once said to me, you're not even listening to me, are you? And I thought... It's a weird way to start a conversation. Now, <laughs> that's an old joke, I know, but it's one that proves a point. Hearing and listening are two very, very different things. One requires a pair of ears. The other also requires our presence of mind. And for a message to be effective, it needs to not only be de delivered clearly, but also needs to be received well. And as we saw a few weeks ago in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was accosted by those people in the synagogue. If you remember, people can therefore hear the word of God over and over and it still not make a jot of difference to their hearts. And today's passage helps us learn further about the delivery of the message, but also about its reception again as well. We've now reached the beginning of Luke chapter 5. So we're going to read the first 11 verses together. And Graham Henderson, also known as G., We'll be reading it out loud for us. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So, here we find Jesus in the explicit process of broadcasting the good news, the delivery of the message. But we also see its result. There's a receiving of this message where some people have truly listened and there are three types of people mentioned here that we're going to look at uh, amongst the crowd and amongst the boat owners as well there's three f's to make it easy to remember um, one batch of people is the fans there are people here flocking to hear a celebrity speak if you like to have their ears tickled and their expectations met but not only are there fans there are also followers we discover there are people here who are willing to respond to this jaw-dropping message but then there's a third um, bunch of people that Jesus talks about which are fishers fully rolling up their sleeves people who are willing to 
dive in and get on with the family business at hand that they've now been saved into. And we're going to look at each of these three groups of people and just ask ourselves, am I a fan? Am I a follower? Or am I a fisher? Let's look at them one at a time. First one, let's look at the fans. Uh, the crowds came flocking, didn't they? And many of these people were genuine and many of them did become followers. But there was a huge number who were to fall away, having had their ears tickled and their hearts unchanged. We can see in another passage in John chapter 6, there's a moment when Jesus tells those around him who are described there as his disciples. He tells them that many of them didn't actually believe. And many of them do balk at that. And it says they turned back and no longer walked with him. While they'd looked like followers, it turned out they were merely fans. And when the rubber hit the road, they disappeared. Jesus hadn't met their expectations and they didn't want to listen to any hard truths about themselves. And so, as I've asked before, I'm going to ask it again. Do we join in on church activities because we enjoy the talks or the community or the buzz of events and the gatherings? But the moment um, your heart pricks at something that is spoken in truth, you immediately shut down and you just don't want to face those hard facts about yourself and what you need to do about it. Suddenly there's a difference in relationship there and something else is going on, isn't there? There's a lovely story about a cruise ship where um, the, gather, uh, the, the passengers were gathering one evening to entertain themselves with what we'd now call an open mic night. And amongst them, amongst the passengers on this cruise ship was a famous Shakespearean actor. He was aboard and the passengers prevailed in him to recite something for us. And although he wasn't a religious man, he stood up and recited Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And his pitch and his pace and his pauses were all perfect. And following the applause, he sits down and then a doddery old lady takes to the platform. And to everyone's surprise, she also starts to recite Psalm 23. And she stumbles over the words, and her pitch is awful, her pacing is abysmal, her pauses are pretty appalling. And finally, she, she stutters her way to the end and sits down and there's a smattering of slightly embarrassed applause. And another person quietly turns to the renowned actor and says to him, what did, what did you make of that? And he replies, I know the psalm, but she knows the shepherd. Do you know the shepherd? Or do you just know the words and the routines of Christianity as it suits you? The pleasantries, if you like. Let's ensure that we are a people who truly lean forward into following and knowing Jesus. Which brings us to the second group, followers. Because we can even hear that word, that phrase, follow me, and not fully grasp all that, in, in, that it entails. We, we can miss the point and not really be listening. Those other so-called disciples in John chapter 6, they, they looked like followers until it came to the crunch and they walked away. To follow Jesus is more than living a life that follows a few nice tenets. Be kind to other people, read your Bible and so on. No, following Jesus is what it's all about. It's not about following pleasant guidelines, which means picking up our cross, walking in his shoes when it comes to laying down our lives for the sake of of others laying aside what we want out of a situation for the sake of others and so on. It can mean letting go of whatever it is we want to acquire or achieve 
which for some people can mean so much more than that even. Truly following Jesus has impact, and we need to see, is there impact in my life because of this? Truly following Jesus has the potential to affect the three L's, our lifestyle, our livelihoods, and our lives. Following Jesus should definitely affect our lifestyle. For starters, the, the world will never truly be in sync with his perfect design, but as his people, we should be learning ever more now to live that way instead, and our lifestyle, therefore, should reflect that and should look different. But following Jesus can also affect our livelihoods, perhaps not so much in our current society as it stands, but certainly for millions across the world today, that is very true. It affects their their jobs, their ability to do certain jobs. It can affect their social standing and so on because of their faith, their following of Jesus. Um, but thirdly, following Jesus can also cost us our lives. Perhaps, again, not so much in this country, but but certainly for numbers abroad throughout history and today, that is still very, very true. Look at verse 11. What do these fishermen do? And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And that comes up later in the chapter when Jesus is talking to Levi. Again, he leaves everything. They left their lifestyle, they left their livelihoods, and later, actually, it turns out they lost their lives. See, that is more than just enjoying Jesus' nice talk. Good sermon, Jesus. Looking forward to next week. No, these men, they upped and left what they now realised was temporary and they stepped into what was fundamental and life-changing. The lesson here is, is not to go and leave our jobs or our families. Don't, don't mishear me. Although even today, some people have to, like I've already mentioned. But this is more a, a question of what is stopping me from living fully for Christ? Is there something that hinders my growth? Is there something that leads me in the wrong direction? Am I choosing the easy path or am I choosing the best path? And if you have committed to following Jesus, yet you still find it hard and you still get sidetracked easily, welcome to the club. He, kn he knows we stumble. He's there to pick us up. He wouldn't ask anything of us that he's not willing to leave by example in first, nor is he unwilling to provide for within that either. He will always catch us. He will always be there. And I know that even if that means saying goodbye to the things that I love, I'll find following wherever he is will always pay off in spades. But if you haven't committed to following Jesus yet, can I just urge you, to be honest with yourself and ask, do I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins, died for my selfishness and brokenness and who rose again to give me new life? Do I believe that? Now, if not, then which part of that question would you like to talk about? Let's, let's work it through. Sp speak to me. Give me a bell. Speak to someone in the church. Let's work it out. Do I believe Jesus is the Son of God? If not, why not? Do, do I believe he died for me? If not, why not? Do I believe he rose again to give me new life and eternal security? If not, why not? Talk about these things. Give me a shout. But if the answer is yes, you do believe Jesus is the son of God who died for you and rose again for you, then what are you waiting for? Follow him and discover what it is that you've been missing all this time. He is the author of life and what he is offering far outweighs anything that may need to be put aside to follow him. Do it now. Do it now. But then, following Jesus, it doesn't even stop there. 
because Jesus's intent is that being followers means so much more than even the English word allows because you find a third group gets mentioned here and these are fishers in Matthew chapter 4 the, the language that Jesus uses in, in Luke 5 here he says do, um, do not be afraid from now on you will be catching men uh, in Matthew 4 we find another angle on Jesus calling these very men from today's story and there we find both truths in one sentence where he says follow me and I will make you fishers of men <laughs> I love how the Bible likes to play with its imagery catching fish which then become sheep uh, but none of that is condescending language this, this is actually very helpful and Jesus in this instance is using their own livelihoods as a picture of what it means to draw others into meeting with Jesus for themselves fishing for men they think about fishing in the in the UK we think about it as a sport there's rods um, with individual moments it's it's solitary and it's low yield you're on your own or maybe with a mate and a beer I don't know but it's it's that's that's the wrong understanding of fishing here when it comes to the sake of impact of harvest of high yield of sustaining family getting a big catch is about using nets and doing it together as a team sharing the gospel together reaching a harvest together it's about reaching those who don't know the rescuer yet as a community job it's one for all of us to do together and not for a select few or even to be doing it on our own just as an aside here just just related to this i just want to point out something that i've noticed and others have noticed too that the word evangelist can get bandied about unhelpfully in the church in general um, an evangelist is not someone who talks about jesus a lot um, actually i hope an evangelist does but that's not the definition of the word and sometimes they go oh they can't stop talking about jesus they're always talking to people about jesus they're right little evangelist no that the understanding of the word evangelist we find in ephesians chapter 4 where amongst the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the teachers we find evangelists evangelists are a gift a specific gift to the church an evangelist is someone who equips the saints for ministry to bring the church to maturity someone who stirs the church into evangelism and yes does the stuff themselves like we see philip the evangelist do in acts chapter 8 with the uh, ethiopian eunuch someone who doesn't shut up about jesus and has a heart for the lost isn't necessarily an evangelist they're just being an on-fire christian <laughs> That's what we, in many ways we should all be doing but the reason i'm saying this is that this is just to reinforce the fact that evangelism sharing our faith sharing the hope that is in us is not something for the evangelists to do while the rest of us put the chairs out and get on with our quiet Christian lives. It's something for every single one of us who love Jesus to live out loud. That is something for all of us and not just a select few. And while we may know that up here, quite often our hearts and our lives, our behavior can reflect differently. We need to let this seep in. We are not all called to be evangelists, but we are all called to be witnesses. Acts chapter one, you will be my witnesses. And a witness it's just someone who stands up in court and goes, well, this is what I saw. This, this is what I know. This is what I experienced. You're just telling your story. Uh, no one has to memorize their own story. You don't have to learn it and try and remember it. You know your story. Go and tell it. We are called to be witnesses. And that is not as scary as it sounds. It's just being you. We are not all called to be evangelists. We are all called to be witnesses. And evangelists equip the church to be effective witnesses. And so we learn this is something for all of us. 
But then this passage also helps reinforce that this is something for all of us to not be doing individually, but it's a place for, it to, uh, for us to be doing it together, leaning on our grace gifts together. Some of us are really good at breaking the ice. Some of us can't think of anything worse. Some of us are more naturally gifted in the prophetic or words of knowledge. Some of us less so. Some of us are great at challenging conversations that enjoy being asked the really difficult questions. And some of us can't think of anything worse. Some of us are great at hospitality. Some of us less so. God has given us, between us, not all of us having all of them, but between us, God has given us natural and supernatural means of broadcasting this wonderful news far and wide, which Jesus demonstrates here. He demonstrates both the natural and the supernatural, just even right at the beginning. Um, he, he gets into one of the boats and asks them to put out a little from the land so the people can hear him. Jesus is relying on his humanity to teach the people. As the crowd was pressing in, he could have supernaturally magnified his voice or he could have beamed his voice into each of their ears. But instead, he jumps in a boat to get a better acoustic vantage point in order that everyone could hear him. Jesus is simply ensuring that he has an acoustically beneficial platform for his audience to hear him better. And as God's people, this, this encourages us, knowing that there is power in the gospel simply because of what is being spoken. Jesus simply taught the people. He simply ensured they were able to hear. And for us, that's understanding, well, who, who wants to listen? Some people don't want to listen and we need to, it's, it's okay to walk away. It's also okay to stop the conversation before it becomes an argument. There's a place for that. That's okay. If people want to listen, press in, make the most of it. We also need to ensure that our words are clear. We need to avoid Christian lingo and ensure that we're helping other people receive the message. Just use normal language and just tell your story. Be a witness. This is what I know. This is what happened to me. Come and find out for yourself. And this encourages us. Jesus using his humanity to share the gospel. It encourages us that our reliance is on the power of what we're saying and not in volume or clever tricks. We're simply called to speak the truth and to share what we've been we, we've experienced. That's it. And then on the back of that, we also see Jesus using the supernatural. We see this wonderful big catch of fish where Jesus in verse four, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Now, I love this. We've got this carpenter's son telling these professional fishermen how to do their job. It's like me telling Bob Benson how to run a secondary school. <laughs> uh, no, don't listen to Steve. And Peter's is like, well, we, we do this for a living. We, we've been doing it all night. We've had no catch. We kind of know what works and what doesn't. But because you say so, we will. And lo and behold, that pure act of obedience pays off in bucket loads. And sometimes... As we speak the simple truth, Jesus will also speak to us by Holy Spirit that he wants to move in another way, in a surprising way. And we need to be listening out for that. I've had nudges or even sometimes, rarely, but sometimes words of knowledge that have unlocked conversations for the gospel to break in in a new way or even to see someone get healed in that moment. And as we do the speaking, let's not stop listening out for Holy Spirit's voice. Cast the net again. Cast it on the other side of the boat. They... They've mentioned their pain or illness. Offer to pray for them. Let's just be obedient in that. And let's see what God does with it. 
wonders make room for the word to be received. And the word makes room for wonders to occur. They go hand in hand, sometimes one before the other, sometimes the other way around, but always pointing hearts to Jesus. Let's enjoy and embrace the natural and the supernatural and find our confidence in him, in the words we speak, because it's his truth and not ours. Let's just tell our stories. Let's listen out for Holy Spirit's nudge. And let's see what he does with it. I just want to bring this to a close now, but let's tease this out more between us. Let's talk it through in small groups. Let's come up with ideas. How can we do this together? Let's pray together. Let's walk this path of mission together. Let's let's learn to repair our nets together. Let's learn better language. Let's learn how to encourage and remind one another that we are all called to be witnesses. Let's cast our nets together, building friendships together, doing it as a community project. Let's uh, have a go at different ways to share the gospel. Take take a step helps with that, that some of you are working through in your small groups, aren't you? And let's learn how to do that through team. And let's pull in our nets together. We all have a part to play. We're all called to be fishers. Some of us are good at some things. Some of us are good at other things. Let's learn how to use that to our advantage. It's like, I don't know all the answers to all the questions you're, you're asking, but I know someone who can be helpful with that. Come and speak to such and such. Come and meet my friend at church who will really help you with this area that you're really struggling with. And I'm not best equipped to do that, but they are. And let's also ask, am I a fisher? Am I following Jesus to a degree, but I'm not a fisher? If I'm not a fisher of men, why not? And how can I grow in this? And then let's learn how we can grow in it together. This actual passage, Luke chapter 5, has been spoken over Beacon Church prophetically. Not that long ago, it was just over three years ago, my friend Simon Gallagher from our church in Aylsham up in East Anglia, uh, describing this story where, yes, the disciples have toiled all night, but little or nothing but at Jesus's command they were obedient and they needed then to call in their partners in the other boat to help and Simon says this these are his words he said there is a big catch on the way but it will be so big it will bless other churches in Herne Bay and you will work together in this that resonated with us as leaders uh, in the church it resonated with you know, the wider church and Beacon Church many of you may remember that um we have a good relationship with other churches in town. I meet with the other leaders of the churches in town on a regular basis. We pray together, encourage one another, talk about the future together. I'm still trusting this big catch is coming and I trust you are as well. But we each have a part to play. But listen to this. Jesus did not cast those nets for them. He provided the fish. They cast the net still in obedience. He provided the fish. So... Let's ensure that we're available, that we're following him and not just being fans. And in a way that ensures that we fully realise what that means to be in the family business of fishing, repairing and casting and drawing in our nets together for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of those who don't know him yet. Knowing that he has promised a big catch over us and the other churches in Herne Bay. It's not just about us. It's brilliant. Let's seek Jesus's face together. And let's seek his purposes. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you that you still have purposes on this planet. You still have many more people to save. And you're calling us to be co-partners with you in this amazing, amazing mission. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that you're readily available by Holy Spirit to help us along the way. We don't have to do it on our own. We can rely on 
find our confidence in simply the words we speak, the good news about you, pointing people to you, telling our stories, inviting people to come and meet with you. That invitation as part of our understanding of who we are as Beacon Church, family growth and invitation. Let us continue to be an invitational people and help us, help us learn how to do that better together for your glory, for your purposes, for the sake of people who don't know you yet. And that's a big yet. We're looking forward to meeting them. We're looking forward to what you're going to do in the future. But help us, Lord, to be obedient in casting out the nets, trusting that you're going to provide the fish. We love you. We love them. And we just want to give you all the glory for it. We trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so, as I've already landed it, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but let, let's find ways to talk amongst ourselves, particularly through our small groups, would be most helpful. How can we repair our nets together? How can we learn better ways of doing this? How can we encourage one another? And then how can we reach out to those around us? Knowing what I was saying earlier about there is a greater favour out there right now to hear God's message, to hear God's word. Let's find ways to do that together. Let's be encouraged. There are songs attached to the details on this video, on the on this video's own solo Vimeo page in the details. There'll be a couple of song links and uh, on the Zoom we'll be singing as well. Let's worship our amazing God who is doing great stuff and let's be available. And let's actively seek ways to step into it even further. Be blessed. If you've got any questions, there's an email address coming up in just a moment. I'd love to speak with you. May you have a great week.